Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with David. Hello. Chris. Hey. And TJ. Hello. And we are going to be talking about last week's homework, the 1983 Brian De Palma film, Scarface. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TJ, you want to give us a plot rundown while I prepare the gauntlet? Sure. <laughs> Twisting knobs. It's, <laughs> it's like a Rude Goldberg. It's the, I'm the guy from Metropolis. <laughs> Brent just opened up the Incredible Machine on his laptop. Let's <laughs> set it out. Uh, yes. So, <coughs> Scarface, 1983 movie. It's uh, initially set in 1980 uh, on the Mariel Boat Lift, which is this like mass exodus of um, Cuban refugees mixed with prisoners. It was a big kind of. Uh, screw up for the U.S. government at the time, um, and coming over on that boat are uh, Scarface, Tony Montana, and his uh, buddy Manny. Uh, they get there, they get sent to a refugee camp. They get out by executing a hit for a not a drug czar, but like a crime boss, drug dealer guy, uh, Frank Lopez in Miami. There, um, rubbing guy, yeah. They get a job washing dishes in a diner once they get out of the camp. Um, Tony Montana has his eyes set on bigger things. Doesn't want to work hard doing that. Wants to work hard doing shit that's going to make them powerful. Um, they uh, end up, you know, getting into uh, some shit. They, they think they're set up, and I guess you're never really told if they're set up or not with the Colombians in the, the first big yeah. kind of horrifying <laughs> scene. But they uh, get a job from Frank Lopez's right-hand man, um, played by F. Murray Abraham Omar. And it's to go pretty much buy some drugs from some Colombians. It's basically a test job. They're yeah. just going to buy two keys. So they go and shit goes south there. Uh, one of Tony's buddies is uh, horrifically murdered, dismembered by a chainsaw. Yep. But Manny comes in and kind of saves the day. Um and uh, Chi-Chi, I guess, is the other guy. The yeah. other friend who well, survives. Although it's kind of Manny's fault, because he's sitting in the car, like, cat-calling women instead of, and listening to music really loud, instead of actually, like, being a lookout. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... To his credit, no one goes in, though. Yeah, I don't know what he would have seen. He was just waiting for the 15 minutes to be up. Was he supposed to be waiting... Was he supposed to be watching to make sure the guy out on the ledge did not go in? Or, or was still there? Or we what? didn't hear that, but we just heard like 15 minutes yeah. come in. Okay. <clears throat> um, anyway, that, you know, he succeeds in that, which, if it is a setup, kind of surprises Omar. And uh, they end up wanting to deliver the goods to Frank personally and not through Omar. They go do that. That's where he meets Elvira. That's Michelle Pfeiffer's character, which is iconic for reasons I don't really get. Um, like that character's got her own Wikipedia page, which is strange to me. But it's Frank's uh, wife, mistress, kind of. Yeah. Person. I think they're married. But anyway, uh, Frank sends Omar and Tony to uh, Colombia to talk to Sosa, who is a drug czar, a drug Sosa. lord down there. Um, Tony's got a weird attitude, unlike anything else you've seen in like drug movies go to South America I'm trying to get my foot in the door he's very abrasive and like you know would be give pitching ideas that aren't his to pitch kind of speaking on his own authority speaking for Frank without Frank telling him that's okay um, and kind of stepping on the toes of Omar who he definitely hates they hate each other they're not good um, 
So that scene's actually really good, I think, when they're all eating lunch there, sitting around the table. Edward Abraham, I thought, was really good in this movie, too, as Omar. But he dies here. He gets uh, hung from a helicopter. Uh, Sosa tells Tony that happened because he found out he was a rat, a yeah. performant, uh, for some other folks. Uh, so back to Miami, Frank and Tony kind of go at it because Tony has set up this crazy huge deal, like $15 million worth of cocaine coming yeah. in. Um, Frank's pissed. Tony says he'll deal with it. And Tony does, essentially. Um, go from there, you kind of... Three know, months know, later. Yeah. Uh, Frank gets pissed at Tony for stepping on his toes, tries to have Tony assassinated. Uh, Tony survives that again. Uh, kills Frank. Takes over the like Miami drug empire. Um, and then it kind of... And he also kills a cop. And there are no repercussions at all. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't know who would have known that it was Tony. So, it wasn't like... That's the other weird part about this movie, which I guess we'll get to that later. Anyway, he takes over, um, amasses a ridiculous amount of power and money and wealth, marries uh, Elvira, the Frank's ex-wife, as soon as... Or Frank's widow, I guess, as soon as Frank dies. Um, kills Manny for banging his sister you get a lot of that family shit that I kind of left out of the plot because it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um... It's like any time Tony sees his sister, it's like the, uh, the sound from Kill Bill starts playing in his head that... Yeah. But in the end, uh, he pisses off Sosa, the one man you don't want to piss off, apparently, in this world. And he sends a platoon of fucking people, like... 40 people yeah. to assassinate Tony Montana. and Primarily because he failed to kill this political opponent p- opponent to the South American right. crooked And he generals. ends their conversation with you want war? Let's go to war. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so he takes him up on it and yeah, he doesn't survive. Yeah, but big he, shootout at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the end it's like he's being fed by bullets. By <laughs> the, the worst bullets. assassin ever. Like, what if you hire a special assassin to kill somebody? And it's like, so what do you, what do you, what's your plan? He's like, I'm gonna wear sunglasses at night, going <laughs> carry a shotgun. It's like, ah, that's both those seem like horrible ideas. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'll get real close to him and shoot him with the shotgun. I'm gonna make uh, the guy who I'm supposed to kill. I'm gonna make his sister walk in, take all her clothes off, and then uh, ask her brother to have sex with her, and then she's actually gonna finish the job. <laughs> Although he gets shot by Gina like six times and then and then like fights off a round of bad bad guys, yeah, yeah, fed by bullets. So anyway, that's kind of the plot of Scarface. I feel like the plot isn't what makes the movie good, but uh, it's weird because I feel like the story is what does. But I feel like they're kind of they're different in this movie. Hmm. Well, first off, uh, just curious had had everybody seen this movie before? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I saw it like you're supposed to in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. age. Um, what was your uh, so when had any of us seen it in the last like five to ten years? No. 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 Okay. So going in, what would your what would your gut rating for this movie have been out of five? Because mine would have been like two, two and a half, two. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, we all carried a preconceived hate into this movie. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Yes. Just, just, just Maybe not dislike, but like not like. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
You got away with words, David. In absence of an absence of respect. For I didn't movie. hate it. I opposite loved it. Yes. More apathy and like you know, this is three hours. I'm not to get through. Yeah. Three hours of something I don't like. Well, let's start off with was it entertaining this time around? Um, ish. Yeah. At, I, at times, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I, I, I've. Uh, more entertaining than I expected it to be, based on my memory. Sure, there's more inspired moments than I remembered. Like, there's the the big moments I thought about, there are other moments that are interesting in the movie. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like I said, the uh, pretty much everything in the first like hour is entertaining to me. From about an hour and a half to two and a half hours in. Uh, no, that's not how long that movie is. Yeah, it's 245. It so, yeah. so, yeah, that hour is pretty fucking boring to me. Yeah. When he kind of gets control before shit goes south. Before Manny's death, I guess. I wonder yeah. if, like, you know, not describing that this is on purpose, but as soon as he gets power, there's so much foreshadowing that everyone's going to double-cross him and he's, like, a dead man already. If some of that is just, like, the inevitable dread that it's going... He's going to die being in this power and being as flashy as he is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more... Maybe a different approach would make that more interesting rather than you just know where it's going the rest of the way. At least for myself. That's how I felt. Yeah. Well, it's weird, right? Because it's a movie where you don't have anybody to root for. Yeah. So, I feel like they kind of lose their way with that at times a little bit. Like Especially at the end when he's like, what have I done? When he realizes that Gina and Manny are dead. And it's like, am I supposed to like forgive this character? But then he just like goes back to full Scarface right after that. So I don't know. That was a weird moment. Yeah. Where I didn't really get what they were trying to... I don't think you're supposed to like, forgive him at any point, really. Um, I just don't know why that's there, then. Like, he did what he did to Manny. Why is he, like, mad at himself? It was just very uncharacteristic for that character. To, like, second-guess something he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, he's rarely having a moment of clarity where he thinks about context. And then it drops. That's not how... He doesn't... Character doesn't evolve or change. As soon as he's like, oh, people to kill, he just gets his grenade launcher out and goes nuts. Put a pincushion in that. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie about? <laughs> like, is this movie about anything other than the plot? Like, is Tony a metaphor for, like, America or something? I mean, the American I think, dream? Yeah, the yeah. American dreams. He's yeah. an immigrant coming to the country trying to make something for himself. Bootstrap himself up from washing dishes and being an immigrant in Freedom Town to uh, getting the heights of power. And movies tell us, you know, money is money and power is the root of all evil. And follows about 700 movies. But plots but, after that. But power and money is how you get the women. <laughs> nah, you just, <laughs> you just wiggle your tongue at them. I couldn't help but think of hearing that speech. You guys know the the Simpsons episode where yeah. Homer has the the pile of sugar in his backyard. Uh. So first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. It's. I think it's. I think it's probably too far gone to talk about this movie. Have like trying to make any important statement because like. You get one throwaway scene of them washing dishes and then immediately Tony going like, I don't want to break my back doing this. And it's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know, not work very hard, but shoot a bunch of people. And then like, you, you could craft some narrative out of that yeah. that like, 
well, if he would have stayed and been a dishwasher, he'd still be alive. But I don't think that that's his motivation. I don't think he means to be alive. I think that he is full well accepted death from the moment he starts like getting in the game. Yeah, because he's his uh, his power moves like stepping on Omar's toes in front of this like you know one of the most powerful people in the world that can launch hit squads if you cross him. He's just like you know gambling like crazy to get a little bit more power. You know, super ambitious. Yeah, doesn't seem like he really understands or cares about the ramifications of the stuff he's talking about. Because he's like, you know, we need like $18 million. Like, I'll go to the street, get a couple million dollars. Get a million here, a million there. You know, we'll have it. Yeah. I don't think he really thinks it through. I mean, I do think there's something to be said. This kind of goes against the movie having a theme, but like watching criminals be criminal. You know what I mean? Like, there's no redeeming qualities in these people. They're not good people. They're fucking bad. They're evil. They're out for themselves and nobody else. And it's... Maybe refreshing at the time to have a movie where it's just like everybody's fucking awful. Yeah. Because there's not a ton of films that do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it is on the IMDb or something like the DEA or like the, you know, Florida district attorney didn't want the movie to be made or about Florida. But in the end, they're like, it's actually a very effective anti drug message, you know, because everybody is destroyed at the end of the movie except for Tony's villains. Yeah, they, they wouldn't let him film in. Miami. Mm. It's funny. There's a there's a scene in Sopranos where <clears throat> AJ asks his dad, he's like, "Well, hey, what's your favorite scene in Scarface?" And Tony responds like, "Fuck that movie." Just <laughs> like because there's there's no positive portrayal of criminal at all in it. You do. That's true. You do touch on some interesting TJ. A lot of the times you'll have anti heroes in these movies, like. I think maybe the original Scarface is like that. I don't really know about it. But I doubt they would have a genuine villain at the heart of a the entire movie. Well, like Henry Hill from Goodfellas, I think, is an anti-hero. He's someone yeah. you, you, you follow yeah. the movie through. You root for because he's yeah. charming. Like, yeah. the whole crew is charming. But I don't think there's any charm to Tony at all. No. Unless you're a criminal. I just despise like, Tony for the moment he comes on screen. Game recognized game. <laughs> yeah, like, like, for real. I mean, yeah. I think that's why that movie... Does so well with a certain age group too. It's because mm-hmm. when you're 18 and an idiot, you don't really see that mm-hmm. when you're watching the movie. You're not just like this guy's disgusting. You're just like this guy's a fucking badass. And why the movie's made it like been sampled by a bunch of you know hip hop acts. Right. Like there's a Raekwon the Chef lyric that was in there. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I told you a long time ago. <laughs> it's in Criminology. Okay. It's a song. It's a good song. <laughs> Uh, let's start with uh, direction. Brian De Palma. Um, I thought that was... I thought this is one of the better aspects of the movie. Um, is... think he knows how to frame scenes well, even when they're not the most interesting things happening. Like, mm-hmm. I really... I thought that scene with Tony and Elvira out at the beach... Or not at the beach, but at the pool mm-hmm. was like a stunning scene just with the, the backdrop of the, the bay or whatever behind him. Um, even though the actual, like, dialogue between the two of them was a little clunky during that scene. Pretty stupid, yeah. (laughs) Um, but, like, I think De Palma always has a good eye for, like, how to to make something visually appealing, Mm -hmm. even when... Sorry, I I burped. There's not a lot happening. 
Yeah, and the you know to I think that's that's a good point, and that follows with the set decoration. They do a great job of like the uh, Frank's back office at Lopez Motors. It's like the full like uh, ceiling to floor mural of the sunset scene. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty pretty crazy that that's just in the back of a motor vehicle. Uh, Selling place, <laughs> motor vehicle selling place. David's got the daddy brain. <laughs> and also, I'm selling motor carriages. I love the the new money gaudiness of the. I guess it's Lopez Mansion that he just takes over. Yeah, basically kills Frank to take his life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty insane how that's how it works <laughs> yeah. in cartels. Yeah, it's like if you kill someone, you get to live in their house and marry their wife. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. does he show up at the the like? With a bloody deed or something? Yeah. I just would love a scene if he's wearing a suit and it's got, like, Frank Lopez monogram on it. <laughs> all of his is mine now. We all understand that. You got the Universal Studios pool with my foyer. Yeah. Everything. But to get back on track, I think it's a well-designed uh, set for that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, I just quite wrapped it up for me on that, which is like, this movie's very pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, it is. Although, like, to go to Miami, I guess they are from Cuba. They don't spend a lot of time on the beaches. There's <laughs> like one scene yeah. where there's ocean. They do a good job. The, the temptation of that life, I think you can see through like the direction, the set decoration and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are the characters well-developed in this movie? Because I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards no. no. There's not a lot to develop, though. I mean, Tony is Tony is basically just a bull in a china shop from the beginning. I think I think Manny's got kind of... Manny and Gina kind of have the fullest arcs, but that's still not much. Right. The resolution of their arc ends up being like the, a movie twist, though. Yeah. It's not even like you... Right. There's, there's... I don't know if the word is payoff, but... I don't know. The movie hides that their arc completed. Yeah. yeah, you think we're led to believe that they've been like doing this for a while? They're like a secretive couple behind Tony's back. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, by the time that we get the uh, the the club scene where she's dancing, or no, it's not. <laughs> well, after yeah, after Tony's assassination attempt, he takes Gina home. Yeah. Before that happens, and they're already starting to flirt. Like, get someone nice, someone like you, I know how you look at me. Well, I mean, it starts before that, really. It starts when Tony first goes back to his mom and, his, and Gina. Mm -hmm. And Manny's just like, damn. Damn, Gina. And that's when Tony <laughs> loses his fucking mind. Yeah. Is that where that comes from? Stay away from her. It's not for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do an Al Pacino Scarface impression, but I know it's just going to come off sounding like super racist. As soon as that... Pacino's dead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say as, as soon as that uh, that is uh, the seal is popped for that, it's just going to be nonstop. Yeah. The rest of us too. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know that Tony is as much developed as he is like just revealed to be. Oh yeah, he's just, he's just that guy through and through. He doesn't really undergo change. He's not developed. He just like his his he just finishes. Yeah, that's yeah. Miami's just I wonder if they thought he was going to be more viewed more as an anti-hero because he only ever like kills bad people. Like I wonder if they thought we'd be cool with that until the end. Until right. Manny, yeah. yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's just like oh, he's just killing other cartel people or crooked cops or right, mm -hmm. like cartel people. Anybody yeah, under that sure, umbrella? Sure, sure. Yeah, oh. I don't know. 
I didn't think about that until just now. But it just doesn't work. He's just an asshole. It's also a little disappointed with Elvira in this movie, even though, like, she's stunning to look at. Like, she has, like, a new, like, almost, like... I think the reason you're you're asking why she's iconic is probably just her wardrobe. Well, I didn't realize I was, like... I was reading the Wikipedia page on that character, and it was like, what's the funny, like, modeled her, like, style after Elvira, like, post-No Doubt, like, trying to get away from the punk stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like... That makes a ton of sense, because that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also just like... Like, beautiful, wayfish, tall, model type. They just, you know... They almost dressed her best by putting her in the least amount of clothing. Yeah. We just, like, kind of let let her body do all the talking for her, like, wardrobe. And she has, like, classic, like... Sultry. <laughs> Sorry, I've got gas. <laughs> um, gangster's girlfriend type. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, good casting choice too. But I just I was, I was a little disappointed that she just seemed to have no agency in this movie because and a know, weird exit she's, she's like Michelle Pfeiffer. Like she uh, she when Frank is killed, she now just belongs to Tony. Yeah, I wonder what she's doing now that Tony's gone. Well, I got. I guess she's Sosa's wife now. (laughs) Yeah, she wanted Tony before Frank died. Right? Did y'all get that? Yes. Yeah, but she's just such a weird like. You yelled at me at a restaurant. That's the last straw, Buster. And then she's just gone forever. It was a weird exit for her. Because I think there could be more to that character. Because she's obviously trapped in this life, and she hates him. Yeah. I mean, that much is clear in that dinner scene. She hates the people, and she loves the life. There's yeah. a whole backstory on her, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know if there's like a Star Scarface. I almost said Star Trek. <laughs> there was a Scar Scar Trek uh, video game. Michelle Skarsgård. Um, but there's the Wikipedia page has this like whole backstory on her, like where she came from, and that she was real smart. She was like a road scholar. Besides it's, Baltimore, it's, none of that is in the. Time. I know. <laughs> I was, I was, it's in the, the novelization <laughs> or the video game. Uh, uh, give me the video game. The 2005 video game that was real big. Uh, sure. She also kind of sucks as a character. <laughs> yeah, no. She's very, very boring. See, like, the first time, well, when, like, Tony sexually assaults her and, like, jumps on top of her in the car, her response isn't like, fuck off, you creep. It's, I don't fuck the help. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, in one line, you made me hate you and not care that you <laughs> feel like a prisoner in your drug cartel boss's mansion. <laughs> Tony, don't forget, I'm surface level. <laughs> um, and also, did, yeah. they, did they really play the drug addiction? Like, I watched it again, and I don't really remember seeing her ever... I mean, she does drugs. Again, yeah. But you never see her, like, like, a ramification Well, like, no yeah. more than any other character who just does, like, a little toot. Yeah. Like, yeah, in it's the middle like of cocaine that. in Miami in the 83. Yeah. Like, and then, everybody's been bumping their Cadillac convertible all the time. Yeah, and then Tony's like, she's a fucking junkie. It's like, no? She didn't eat her dinner because she's doing coke, because everybody here is doing the exact same thing. I feel like, yeah, it's like the... The lesson is, is like, the coke ain't the problem. Right. <laughs> it's the guns. And everything else is the problem. I think is the, I fine. think there's one scene where she's looking in the mirror and takes, like, a pill and chases it with a drink. That I guess that's it? <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Apparently there was a casting flubbub with her, too. Like, Al Pacino and Brian De Palma 
did not want her at all. They wanted like some known actress. Should, this was her like, first movie, right? First major role. First man, yeah. Grease, Grease 2, I think, is her first movie. Oh. Okay. She's the lead in Grease Well, movie. I can understand why they didn't want the girl from Grease 2. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the now looking back, it's not good because production was pretty much like, we don't need an actress, we just need some like tail. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're going to get this 24-year-old. Grease uh, 2 star. Yeah. And the only, like... Ethnically accurate <laughs> casting choice, except for Manny <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, except for the Cuban Stephen Bauer. Except for the, all the Italians <laughs> playing Cubans in this movie. <laughs> and the, the one, like, upstate New York Jewish guy <laughs> playing a Cuban. Um, is there a scene that stands out as memorable in this movie? Uh, I think, obviously, the end is... What about something out. that is not the iconic scene that stood out to you the second go around? It's also, I will say about that scene, it's not particularly good, I don't think. It was just. Oh, the shootout exciting. at the end? It's big. Yeah. I like it. I like the shootout at the it's end. Like I mean, it's, it's fine, but like, why, why is that different than any other shootout I've ever seen? Well, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, you it's said just, hello to his little friend. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. There's nothing like remarkable about it. Except, like, oh, wow. They killed a bunch of people. I think it's remarkable in its, like, over the top excess, right? Of just like being ridiculous, um, the way he just keeps <laughs> he's been shot like twelve times and just stands up. He's like, you know, keep giving me your bullets. I want your bullets. Again, I just guess that's something that like is not a standalone thing to this film. You know what I mean? I would yeah. agree. You've seen <laughs> like, like I've, the... I've seen Uma Thurman fight the crazy eighty eights or whatever, like. That was way cooler than this. <laughs> it's like the whole inspiration was like, so you've seen guys attack a house. What about a hundred guys attacking a hundreds worth of a house? <laughs> <laughs> and still, that seems a little bit rude. Of why the fuck is this dude wearing Ray Bans at <laughs> midnight? <laughs> You're so mad about this. I didn't even. I didn't even like. Like it didn't even stand. Well, up I wouldn't to care. Me. Except your it job was... is to like look and see and kill. <laughs> TJ was the eighties. You, you want to hamper that? People wore their sunglasses at night, as memorialized by that song. Yeah. <laughs> also, I guess if you're, I guess I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. If you're a hitman in the eighties. You don't know what kind of like, like uh, neon neon <laughs> orgasm you're about to walk into every time you open a door. So it's probably a good idea to at least have him on hand. You can always just go. I just see him get down. I see him getting ready. He's like, you know what, Ted? You can always take him off. You can always <laughs> take him off. <laughs> he's getting dressed. He's like, so I have my flashlight helmet and the shades. I always take one thing off before you go out. <laughs> yeah, it could be practical. Like he's going to shoot someone, and this guy's. Just like girlfriend walks out with like neon spandex suit and he goes ah <laughs> shoots a bird instead. It's practical now. I'm on board. All right. Yeah. Oh, forgive me. <laughs> what about any other iconic scenes to you? Uh, right after the the time jump, the three months later, you actually get Tony Montana and Manny looking like they are friends. Um, it's about the only time where they seem like friends, where they're like talking about like. You know what? We could give it up and just stay here on the beach. Mm. They do the thing. They walk through the resort. Manny does his stupid tongue thing. <laughs> but like, it looks like yeah. they looks like they're actually having fun. Although to his credit, he, he got girls without having to kill their husbands. <laughs> so Manny, maybe Manny was right. Yeah, <laughs> the movie made sure we sh- we saw their boobies. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that scene was weird with the uh, 
Al Pacino with the kids, that was awkward as shit. He's like, hey kids, you want to see something funny? Look at this guy. It's like, dude, <laughs> chill out, Tony. He's going to simulate cunnilingus. Check this out, kid. You guys are not cunnilingus? <laughs> no! <laughs> How do you say cunnilingus? It's a good Al Pacino impression. That's yeah. all we're doing here. I, tried not, I didn't go over the top. Yeah. Just severely racist. I liked uh, the scene in uh, Bolivia, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Uh, with Sosa and Omar and Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abraham was really good in that scene. That's the one where Omar just keeps going, like, we have to talk to Frank. And he's just like, no, 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 I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what did he say? I got this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm right. not David. <laughs> he's, he's trying to do it through like a little greaseball smile, like trying yeah. to not make it awkward that he's being stepped on. He just does that. There's a, I thought that scene was executed well by uh, the actor who played Sosa and Al Pacino, and then the direction was good too. When he gives him the binoculars, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Look, I just hung your friend from a helicopter, like pretty much testing him." Yeah. Being like, "Are you gonna freak the fuck out? Are you also a rat?" And Tony just like looks and just throws the runners back at him. He's like, "Fucking hated that guy." Yeah. yeah. I only got two things: my balls and my word, and I'm not gonna break either one of them unless yeah. they had it coming to them. Say like, what? Okay. This movie mentions. Are you talking about busting a nut? The movie mentions balls almost every other sentence too. Yeah. What's the, what does he say to Elvira in the club about balls? It's like only. Uh, or no, he says it to uh, Lopez. He's sitting next to Elvira, and he just says the only the only orders, uh, only like the only orders I follow come from balls. <laughs> and then Lopez is like, "Good point," and walks away. That's why I always play the lottery. That's Tony's very uh, uncreative name for his balls. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I only do what balls tell me. Balls. That's what I call my balls. Okay, um, I kind of like the scene where uh, it, it's it's one that I didn't think about the first time around. Is uh, when he goes back to Colombia, they have a way to figure out, you know, he's got undercover bust to get him out. I like uh, Sosa showing the, like, videotape of the guy and the movie taking time to get everybody's reaction as they're being, like, called out on the news. I thought it was kind of interesting. Also, I liked his little projector in the picture frame. I thought, oh, that's pretty clever. <laughs> it looks cool. <laughs> like, he'll be talking about Sosa, then you just see Sosa just, like, glaring and kind of, you know... Understanding that the you know pressure is coming, and yeah. shoot to a general, and the general's all nervous, looking at it. But we're looking at him. I like the nightclub scene because it gives us all the many moods of Tony Montana, and uh, we get like horny uh, non-family division Tony, which yeah. is uh, putting his arm around uh, Elvira. Then we see him watch somebody else dance with Gina, and we get uh, angry horny family division <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Um, and uh, Chris made a good point in that scene. Something that stood out about the assassins, about how everybody's laughing and dancing in the whole uh, club, club Babylon. Yeah. Except for uh, Tony and the two people coming to kill Tony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tony. It's like, Tony should have picked up on that quick. Yeah. Tony's the Cuban, and then the only other like ethnic people there are <laughs> are the assassins, and they're also not laughing. We also got like overly mopey Tony <laughs> during yeah. that comedy routine where he's just like. He could not be, like, sunken further into that booth than yeah. he possibly is. He's like, he's, like, breaking rule 66 of the Wedding Crashers or whatever. <laughs> so, don't draw attention to yourself in a bad way, Tony. <laughs> he just made, like, a choice throughout the whole movie. It's like, every mo- moment where he's sitting, he's going to slouch so far down. Also, those assassins, by the way, 
real bad assassins because they're like, um, we would prefer the front table, please, yeah. <laughs> directly in front of the comedian. And also, we're, we're going to not shoot until there is the entertainment is physically blocking the person <laughs> we're trying to kill. Then we're going to take our unspoken cue and stand up and fire. Our Shoot cue, him at any point before that. Well, they're our, watching our the, is, the he's lights. Gonna watch, he's going to wait for when I look at him once. <laughs> That's the sign. So, and also, Garcon, can I get your largest assault rifle concealing handkerchief? <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yeah, it's stupid. You just give me a table it like cover. Stick it out. It's like, you see it? Did you see the gun in there, TV viewer? Um, yeah, I saw it. Why did anybody else see it that's there? My, my question on that was what? Okay. Did, they, did they not know who Tony was? Because they kept, they kept watching the spotlight, <laughs> and they were waiting for the spotlight to hit Tony. And when it did, that's their cue. That's when they jumped up and started firing. But like, maybe the thought was the spotlight would blind him, so they would be able to kill him easier. Uh, I could see that. So he couldn't fire back. If they would have just like taken turns standing up or not been at the same table, then they could have solved that problem. <laughs> I don't know. Was it like so, so ex- exclusive a club that they had to sit together <laughs> that they couldn't just like <laughs> walk in and shoot him because he's sitting still at the back of a booth with a table. He can't get out of the booth. I don't like, understand. They picked like, the worst time to shoot him. We would like two tables on opposite sides over here. We are very full tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we also got a great moment of like Return of the Jedi escaping the Sarlacc pit where like Tony pulls his gun out and he like looks at his legs and then it's back to Tony looking at the legs and then it's back to the legs and then it's back to Tony looking at the legs. Shoot the fucking legs! <laughs> Just shoot them. Shoot them. You're holding a gun. <laughs> uh, so if you watch that movie or put it together like I bet shoot him with that gun. <laughs> wait, but do, do those guys have guns? Oh yeah, they do. Wait, <laughs> but, but we're going. Wait, but we're going to establish <coughs> later on that Tony eats bullets. So, do we really want him to get rid of bullets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs us for sustenance. <laughs> That's how he grows up. That would have been great if you like just like point at a gun at his like shoulder, shot himself, <laughs> and then you heard like a like a power up sound, a level level up. <laughs> <laughs> um. How are the performances in this movie? Good and bad simultaneously? Um, I mean, Pacino's not... He's great when he's not speaking words, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's, it's everything but this Yes, in Pacino's performance. Brett is very good. His entire face. <laughs> yeah. He pointed to his throat. Yeah. The, was, yeah. the face that I was lying on Pacino was good. Yeah. Was yeah. North of mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. South of Falls. Because <laughs> he mentions his fall all the time. Um, I feel like it's more the casting in this movie is strange. Like, Robert Loggia playing a... I think that's number one weirdest Hispanic, casting for me. The Hispanic mob boss. Strangest Hispanic casting since Sean Connery in Highlander, which was actually later, but whatever. Um, Wait. Sean Connery and Highlander supposed to be Hispanic? He's well Spanish. He's supposed to be Spanish? Yep. <laughs> what? I mean that's more believable. Oh it's like you're Did they call him the Spaniard? Is that why? I think so. I don't think that he's necessarily Spanish though. I think they just call him the Spaniard. Well, I'd like to hear your thoughts on casting and characters. Well, <laughs> I get to the bottom of this because uh, yeah. That seems a little better though, because at least he's like European. This guy was definitely supposed to be like from like Central America. Or the Caribbean. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was all really weird. Although, I did think F. Murray Abraham was pretty good. I think he I was, was I think he was good, but that's poorly cast. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously. Especially today. Like, 
It like yeah. Nobody's gonna be like yeah. No, it was fine casting a white person. That's worse. <laughs> okay, his name is Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Okay, um, but he was supposed to be Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> In Highlander. Okay, so not European at all. So, so <laughs> double whammy of bad the bad ideas. All right, Just broke Chris's brain. <laughs> Um, in terms of performances, the one that stood out to me the most this time is Manny. I really liked Manny. Manny was good. I think he did a really good job trying to ground and the only Scarface. like appropriately casted. Yeah, not the only. But I like Sosa. The only main. Sosa was good too as a business. Villain. I was reading the plot though. And it was like Sosa also has his own Wikipedia page. I think he's probably plays a role in the video game. I'm guessing, but it was like he's the main antagonist in the 1983 film Scarface, and I was like, oh, I don't remember him being in this movie that much. But I guess he is. I'm just remembering it wrong. And then I watched it and I was like, nope, he's not in it at all, really. Yeah. He's got like two scenes. Two scenes and one of them he's like ostensibly like working with the protagonist. Right. Yeah. I guess he's pulling strings for some of the plot machinations even if he's not there. Well, yeah, but I mean... True. Yeah. For his performance. Yeah. Ask us your question, Breezy. Yeah, it's just when it comes <laughs> to the performances they're just so distracting. Yeah. The, that's the thing. It's not that they're the performances themselves might be good. It's just that the the accents and what we are asked to believe due to the casting is just very distracting for me. That and the volume. Yeah. There's nothing subtle in this movie. Not that there has to be, but everybody is like playing at a turn all the time. Yeah. I did notice that the his like henchman that he kind of hires halfway through. I don't know if he ever gets named. But the bigger guy. Ernie? Ernie. Is his name Ernie? Sure. No, Ernie is the, uh, Frank's, like, right-hand man who he takes. Oh. But there's some other guy. Who, the guy who dies, the assassin kills, like, puts a shotgun to his head and kills him mm-hmm. right before he rushes in. But his accent completely disappears near the end of that movie. He starts with one, and they're just like, nah, man, just be white. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> I feel like they could have done that with, like, Robert Loggia, too. It's like, he's older, he's... He doesn't look like someone who just, like, you know, got off the boat from Cuba and whatnot in the beginning of the movie. And, yeah, you can make his name Lopez, but he doesn't have to have that accent that is definitely not natural to him. He could just be an American named Lopez. disappeared a lot, but I thought a lot of that is because Loja has such, like, a heavy voice anyway. Like, when he laughs, there's no, it's not, it doesn't sound like an Hispanic laugh. You know what I mean? Like, the accent leaves in his, like... Yeah. Other yeah. vocal ticks. I was thinking like J A J A J A. No, but it's also it's one of those it's 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 the the Disneyification of like fairy tales that has been irritating. So if you watch any live action Disney movie that came out in the past like fucking seventy years, it takes place anywhere in Europe, any time in history. Instead of having people just speak like. Mm, like, the actors' normal language, they all have British accents. Fucking Three Musketeers, like, every movie, they all have British accents. Because they want them to speak English, and, hey, Britain's right there. Maybe they spoke with a British accent. Maybe the Queen's English was, like, the the language is, of the day. In, true. like, fucking France. Uh, or even Gaul at the time. And it bothered me here because, why well, can't, like... Every Cuban who leaves Cuba doesn't have an accent that is like, oh, that's a Cuban accent when they're speaking English. <clears throat> Bad guess. Uh, so, like, why don't, like, 
Pacino doesn't sound like anybody. Pacino doesn't sound like a fucking human being. Why don't you just let him, like, speak, like, normally? And then you won't have this, like, racist bullshit where, like, everyone's doing a facsimile of what they think Cuban is. You already have, like, that that intro scroll that's basically like, immigrants are criminals. Get ready. <laughs> it's like there's nothing to balance that because, like, the only character who makes you aware of the fact that all immigrants aren't criminals is Tony's mom, who is cast as, like, a villain to the protagonist the whole fucking movie. Gina even kind of hates her at some point. And she's also supposed to be somebody that you sympathize with. So on top of that, with everyone just, like, playing, like, cops and robbers, and all the robbers are these, like, poorly accented, like, dickheads. I don't know. Why try? I wonder if, like, they just heard Pacino's accent, and everybody, and De Palma's like, yeah, everybody, do that. You see this? We got Al Pacino. Al fucking Pacino. Do him. Yeah. And everyone's like, shit. <laughs> my name's Chris, and that grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great point, though. It is. Yeah. The, uh, I really am annoyed about movies that do that. Like, either, like, they don't want to go full apocalypto, but they don't want to just, like, let you realize that you're watching a piece of fiction. Yeah. But the worst is when they try to do one, but don't do the other. I'm thinking of Robin Hood, the Kevin Costner movie, <laughs> where he obviously is just speaking, like, an American from, like, Iowa. Yeah, he's Kevin Ass Costner. Yeah. And then, like, he's confused that Morgan Freeman's character can speak English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, how'd you learn this language? It's like, how'd you? <laughs> you said like, dang, a little while ago. <laughs> I would, I would love if he... Dang. <laughs> I would love if like, Kevin Costner brought like anachronisms to Robin Hood. Yeah. He's like describing something as like Beatles-esque or something. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Um... Just like a disco back home. What? <laughs> Time current events. This is a real desert storm for us, isn't it? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, yeah. I, I, I still don't under... I still can't comprehend if Al Pacino is good in this or not. My guess is no, but he's certainly very big. He is big. <laughs> he, he makes choices. Yeah. I would definitely say. He is there. <laughs> he's like a... He makes his presence known. He's a collection of ticks that are just wearing a trench coat and just like on top of each other's shoulders to, facil- to <laughs> facilitate a human being's shape. Is that fair? Yeah. That is going to now be my like in my head for like one Academy Award Best Actor nomination a year, probably. It's just a collection of... of Tropes and ticks all dressed up together, being like, "Can we have a ticket to the Golden Globes, please?" <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Green Buck. <laughs> yeah, a local pizza. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. How were the, the uh, technical achievements in this movie? First, let's uh, visual effects. I don't think there were really like special effects, other than they blew up that grenade at the end. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. Didn't get any Wilhelm screams. I was pretty disappointed. Ah! <laughs> like right off the... It was in the water. Uh, we should have gotten it from ah! him at yeah. the end. <laughs> that would have been great. I uh, was weirded out when I read that Kurt Vonnegut and John Irving left the premiere with after the chainsaw scene. I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, oh my god, it was so gory. It was just like off-screen chainsaw. <laughs> Oh. We may be a little desensitized. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
Exactly. Also, it's like Kurt Vonnegut, though. Like, yeah, he's got like a pretty like wavy consistency with the yeah. things he thinks and the things that he says. Right. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut's a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. I said wavy consistency with thinking and saying. He That's fire, different. He firebombed Dresden, but <laughs> off off scene chainsaw goes up for him. That's part of that movie too, though. Real quick, sorry. The did y'all read about the rating? Shit. Uh-uh. <laughs> the movie got rated X on its first thing and they were like you need to take this out it was for like drug use and violence and uh and language take out the, some the first movie that said like fucking uh, X amount of times the first movie to, like say fucking more than 100 times and it said it, like 280 yeah. or something crazy mm-hmm. but uh so they were like take some stuff out and they sent it back and they were like it's still X take some stuff out and they sent it back and they are like take some stuff out it's still X and then they finally were okay this can be R and he just released the first version <laughs> to the masses <laughs> Like, the NBA board just, like, didn't find out until later when somebody went and saw it. Because those old people don't want to go see Scarface after they've seen it four times. <laughs> right. I feel like this movie is the movie that started the arms race to uh, see what movie could say fuck the most. Um, I wonder what the what movie holds the record. So, about. it's two movies. I looked at the... There's, there's a tie? Up. No, it's uh, the two movies at the top. Though. It's like, one of them fucked up. Well, I kind of disqualify the two movies at the top. One is, uh, is a movie about swearing, and then the other yeah. is a documentary about... The word fuck. Okay. <laughs> what is that art film where the whole dialogue is fuck? Yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. We're going to hear it in the next TJ's tidbits. Um, so being John Malcolm. So I give the <laughs> real for TJ's the real honor goes to the third place movie, and that's Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, oh, I think I remember hearing it's that. It's in the 400s. It's also three hours long. Yeah. Um, Scarface had a shot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, editing. Stop me if you if you... Score editing makeup. One thing I I did like the score. Yeah, it score is, was great. It's it, era appropriate, but the Giorgio Moroder score was. I like yes. the uh, the dread stabs of the synth, like ooh, ooh. yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah his a man called ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, whenever they would and you know you called the 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 Kill Bill sound, mm-hmm. but whenever they would show Tony being uh, uh, family mad, yeah. They would do the tight shot on him, and it would be that like droning synth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got like the Godfather of like synthwave yeah. writing your score. It's going to be fucking great. Also, I fucking love <laughs> the opening credit music. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. synth at the start. I thought that was awesome. Can we talk about the fucking musical montage? I hated that so much. <laughs> it was so, it was so fucking corny. I What's the name of that song. Oh my take god! Take on me. Take by it uh-huh. to. Oh, I thought it was take it to the. <laughs> it limit. was. It was. I'm just kidding. You can make it like uh, playful if you do take on me. That's <laughs> it was take it to the limit, right? It is take it to the limit. Oh my god! Almost all this music is in Vice City, which is very confusing. Well, I I, I also just also it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> this is it's it's also just like this is clearly the song that Parker and Stone were making fun of when they wrote their montage song. Yeah. I know what song I'm talking about, but now I've pictured it with "Take It to the Limit" by the Eagles. The Eagles. And that would have been so much weirder. <laughs> Take it to the limit. Don't go past the razor's edge. <laughs> and it's like... Get married and do oh, cocaine. It's called Scarface. Push it to the limit. Okay. Push it to the limit. Push it go. to the limit. It's the thing is like... They're talking like push it to the limit. All the things that are happening are like normal people things. Yeah. It's like, it's it's like him driving his car. A, yeah. It's him driving his car around. Him getting married. Yeah. It's like some opulent shit. But it's not like... Push it to the limit. <laughs> get married. <laughs> Have a tiger. It's normal shit. Get some gas. 
But it's not like him shooting people or like doing a bunch of drugs. <laughs> Tony Montana like checking the expression dates on milk. She holds up a newspaper like, of today and today, the day. Today, today it's, it's like, like yeah. yesterday. Push it through the limit. <laughs> His car's on E, but he keeps driving. Oh, that's great. Maybe that was the driving scene. They cut that other part out. <laughs> You see a yellow light that goes to his feet and is like, yes, bring it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doctor. <laughs> but I really do think that this was, it was their way of like, quote unquote, passing time. But like, yeah. s- thinking to themselves like, oh, it's too boring. We can't include that stuff in this movie. People, that's not why people come see Scarface. And they might be right. But that also, that also might be why I never watch Scarface again. It's because they don't have like, actual human moments. They just like, eat them all up and digest them and spit them out as this like yeah. they play that full ass song like <laughs> yep. it is a it is a three and a half minute montage of like look at Tony becoming more of an adult and then like okay now he's in a, now he's like is it just my mind or does things. he have like multiple instances like instances where he is like counting money in his hand. Yeah. It's like, oh he's making money. About now. milk somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the look of disappointment of the entire cast when they had seen the tiger for like five seconds. They were like, let's go down to the river and see the tiger. Okay. It's <laughs> just big cat chained up across the river growling at us. This kinda sucks. Boring. The best part is Tony's walk over there, he's like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, surprised he didn't do a super like crash zoom into the tiger's face and then like growled. Or the tiger is jealous of Tony and go. <laughs> <laughs> the tiger sees that car that Tony was talking about having a lady tiger in the passenger seat and does that face to it. <laughs> uh, set design was great. We mentioned that earlier. Yep. Good job. Um, <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> Costumes were good. I thought. Yeah, they yeah. were good. Especially some, Michelle Pfeiffer's some good looks. I mean, everyone dresses like Tony Montana whenever there's like a gangster thing. That like white white suit and black shirt with the big broad like lapels yeah. and open collar. Well, yeah, there's two gangster outfits we now know. Scarface set the tone. It's like suit for business. If you're going to like kill somebody, a white shirt and khakis. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the outfit. Those are the uniforms. Got to get blood on my khakis. Alright, if uh, those involved with this movie, is this anybody's number one achievement in their career? Start with Brian De Palma. I'm going to say no. Uh, there are definitely a couple of Brian De Palma movies I like more, and I haven't seen several others. Right off the top of my head, he does carry, right? He does carry. Carry's better. Carry is he better. does Mission the Impossible. I like Mission Impossible better. The Untouchables is better. Yeah, I think. I think that he probably, without knowing, even before you mentioned other movies, I would say <laughs> that this no. is... Probably not. I think there are probably movies that treat uh, like immigrants, women, like poor people in like a better light than this. And none of it is like intentional focus. It's all just like I don't know, poor, poor writing and portrayal. Even Untouchables is a better gangster movie, and this is like the gangster movie stakeholder for this genre. Or one of them. I've heard good things about uh, Blowout as well, which he did. He's got some real stinkers, though. Sure. I mean, I'm just, as a director, he's got some ha-has and some very low lows. Sometimes he rules snake eyes. <laughs> Gene Challen here. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, uh, how about Pacino? Were you I think Rip Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think Pacino is, is he's a he's often over the top for me, but uh, he's much better in the Godfather movies. Oh yeah, I mean he's better in. I think a, Godfather. A I think he's, Godfather Two is probably my favorite Pacino yeah. performance. You almost got to compare it to the echelon of like Sent Al Pacino at eleven, Scent of a Woman, Devil's Advocate, those type of movies. Is like how do you compare those? To you those? mean my favorite Al Pacino movies? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not Jack, even in his like Jack top and Jill. Ten. <laughs> you meant to say yeah, top ten for me. I don't think. I mean, I put like any given Sunday his performance in that over this, and I don't think that's particularly good. Uh, he's also yeah. big in uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and he's great in that being yeah. big. Yeah, and he's big here, and I don't know that he's great. I still haven't seen it, but y'all love Heat. Is he good in Heat? He's yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's not the best part of Heat, no, but he's good. In heat. Also, Serpico. He's right. fantastic. In Serpico. Love Serpico. In Serpico, he played. Quiet, and he played like big, and he played. He was an actor, and not an Al Pacino face. Yeah, he he resembled a human at times. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this movie is like the birth of like, hooah, Pacino, where it's just good, like uh, insomnia, which I think is kind of underrated. Movie. Yeah, yeah, another quiet, brooding, yeah, Pacino one. Mm, yeah, not his best. Uh, not Michelle Pfeiffer's best. No, no, and I think I just don't like Oliver Stone. Did he, yeah. write, he wrote this movie? He wrote it. Yeah. Palmer hired him specifically to write it, yeah. Yeah. Because when you mentioned Any Given Sunday, I was like, oh, I didn't like that either. And then I was trying to think of, like, well, what... Well, you talked about, like, hyper-masculinity and shit. Yeah. And that's Oliver Stone, like, through and through. Yeah. Gonzo movie-making, kind yeah. of. Yeah. I just don't like that. I mean, you know, call me a snowflake, but I just don't like movies that center squarely on, like, machismo. Mm-hmm. It's just like fucking boring and I think like the problem with most things now unless you're interestingly dissecting it like I think Frelitz Foibles Fight Club does dissect it in an interesting manner yeah uh is that all like the major a, players I think yeah I mean F. Murray Abraham was a that guy at the time yeah but, but his, his best on this yeah, yeah. A, year, a year later yeah, and he, even if you go to like once you start getting the minor characters, yeah. I mean, like, what's his name is better, like Big Uncle Tuco. Oh, Robert Logan. <laughs> yeah, is in this movie. Yeah, I saw him. I noticed him. It was that was is that fun. his name? No, it's a uh, it's a uh, Hector Salamanca, right? Yeah, yeah. Hector Tuco's the the, the, the the cousin. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so no. <laughs> right. Not a single human being. Uh, <laughs> always the question I have not looked up the answer to was this movie financially successful? Uh, I, w- I would bet that it struggled in the box office. I bet so too. Three hours. Three hours and like, like nasty for its time. I want to. I want to see what the original trailer was. I want to know how they portrayed this. If they portrayed it as... Because, like, the fucking description of it makes no sense. It did well. I'll guess, like, 60 million. 65 on 25. Because if you read, like, the blurb that they release as, like, their ad copy for this movie, it's about, like, one immigrant's... It says something along the lines of, one immigrant's, like, climb up the ladder uh, through a drug cartel, like, taking it down from the inside. And it's like, that is not what this fucking movie's about. It is not about, like... This is not about the immigrant's journey. Like, him being an immigrant is irrelevant to the plot of yeah, the movie. Yeah, after, like, the opening crawl. Right. <laughs> a- after he, like, comes out of the Freedom City, like, there's, like, him being Cuban, except that he hates Colombians for some reason. 
is like there's no relevance. Um, it probably made money off De Palma, Pacino, and bullets. You know, yeah. I, I feel like those are the the three things that they could probably advertise and get people to go see. The movie is so eighties too, so just the the era yeah. almost. It was the eighth highest grossing movie of nineteen eighty three. Um, people had money to burn in eighty three. Yeah. Well, the other ones are weird. It's Sudden Impact, Octopussy, War Games, Trading Places, Flashdance, Terms of Endearment, and Number Return One. Return of the Jedi! Yeah. I so he made double the second last yeah. movie. Um, it, this movie, though, is like considered a cult classic by, yeah. a, lot of, by a lot of people. So, uh, it, even though it made money, I don't think people loved it the way, in 83, the way they would in the year like 2000. It does have an outsized cultural imprint. Oh my god. I don't... That poster is probably iconic. one of the three or four most famous movie posters of all time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so much of that movie that is linked into culture. It's, it was ridiculous watching it this time. The first couple seasons it. of MTV Cribs. <laughs> so I think, I, think there's a, I think there's a reason this movie plays really well with like 18 to 20 year old males. They're stupid. <laughs> well, it, it is an immature movie. It yeah, is an yeah, immature yeah, movie yeah. and it's like it's heavy on quote. It's a quotable movie. There yeah. are lots of memorable quotes. The you know, uh, say hello to my little friend is a is a great quote. Apropos of nothing, him, uh, Tony telling uh, Manny, Miami is a pussy that's just waiting to be fucked. Right. It's like, what does that even mean? Well, but it's quotable. Yeah, I mean, you also that's just all of her song. Right. Stuff. Yeah. His stuff. Yeah. I guess his movies are kind of like written by fifteen-year-olds. That's kind of like his viewpoint. Maybe he was just stunted by going to Vietnam or just being a fucking asshole. <laughs> well, I mean, coming for you, stuff. It's like my thing about like everybody when they're a teenager is an emo kid. Even if you're not like yeah. dressing like an emo kid, you're just like woe is me all the time about everything. So it's an interesting like theme for the movie, right? It's like, look out for yourself even if you have to die trying. Like, it's some dumb shit. Even if this one girl game. won't bang you, you yeah. just have to kill the guy she wants to bang. It's and some stupid shit that every, like, 16-year-old believed. What is, what is you know the, what I mean? the movie thought they believed. Where, where McConaughey does the chest beating? Wolf Wall, Wolf Wall Street. Wall Street? Yeah. yeah. That's, that character's favorite movie is Scarface. Because that's the, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the... the like, Gordon Greco's favorite movie is, is Scarface. Like that's any yeah. any male character who, who in a movie that says you just have to be confident, you know, you, like like women respect power. That's that's Scarface. Yeah, like that's where it comes from. Their favorite movie is Scarface, and so yeah. So when you're like in your feelings and you're unsure about what to do with your life, certainly a direction you can take when you're that age, sixteen to twenty, is just go like, well, you know what? I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be confident and I'm gonna be bold because right. that's what Tony did. If you heard a like self-described film buff say their favorite movie was this movie, out of context, other they like other movies that you like, does that knock them down a peg? Is that Probably. kind of symbolic for you? Not as much as it did before I watched it this this most recent time. Like that would have instantly dismissed someone. Yeah, if someone uh, said that before I rewatched it, I would have thought that they have watched a total of ten movies, mm-hmm. and this was the <laughs> most recent one. Um, but now, I mean, I can I can see it, especially if you look at it from, like, if if you're looking for a movie with cultural impact that you know isn't going to make oh sorry, but it's probably not going to make our talk of fame. This is this is going to be the most influential movie that's not going to make it. 
Do you think that there is a viewpoint or a take that we're not getting that this like hyper masculinization and celebration is ironic? I think you can definitely read it that way. I don't read it that way, but I, I think I don't it, either. I, I don't think, think it, it's sophisticated enough for me. For exactly. The, for the writing to, to get me there, but I'm wondering if that's out there somehow. I, and I can see where it's trying, and I, I can't, I kind of threw that out there at the beginning too, mm-hmm. where I, I thought, is this supposed to be about like American excess and violence and whatnot? But if I, if it is, There Will Be Blood is a movie that did that so much better for me. Mm-hmm. About There's- like, the blood of America. Zero in this movie that could ever lead me to believe that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, there's nothing going on it except, like, am I trying to make an excuse that it's not just what it obviously is? Sure. You'd have to take like, almost there's everything. There's nothing in that that I can, like, twist and be like, oh, maybe that means this. It, the only way you can ever get to that result is just to be like, all right, I'm making some shit up about a movie. I'll a watch. a you know freshman I mean? in a film class who wants to write about Scarface, and you're trying to squeeze every fucking ounce of meaning out of every scene, and it's just not there. But you're trying to convince yourself that it is almost to be interesting. You're pulling a contrary take by, you know, you're putting everything in there that the movie's not. Yeah, it'd be like it's like watching The Room and being like, oh, it's actually a like it's a contemporary look at how like the movie industry does this like no it's a horrible movie yeah it's just interesting to watch because it's so fucking bad yeah like it's okay if you like this movie don't make it something that's not though you know what I mean I just don't see how you could like pull that out of Scarface you have to engage in some really severe like historicity and wanting to just like change the meaning and the direction and the acting and the script just to suit your needs in the individual scenes to kind of get a strong theme out of that narrative. Yeah, I just find it interesting. I, don't, I can't remember who exactly, but there were some contemporaries at the time who really loved the movie. I mean, he, he ever gave like, it four out of four stars. Yeah, it's not but he great also movies. And, like, De Palma's buddies, Spielberg and Scorsese and Lucas and them all stood for the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, this is on the, I think this is on the Edgar Wright list. Edgar Wright's favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a spectacle movie. I think that the problem isn't with the movie. I think the problem is with us. Not that we watch it wrong, because I think that we're equipped. I mean, fucking TJ and I just came back from Detective Pikachu. Like, we're not going to try and break that down into its component parts and say, like, well, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, you do that subconsciously. What this movie does well is it is a ride. And it is, like, entertainment. Oh, absolutely. All movies, I'm not saying that that there are some movies that that are beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that if someone said this was their favorite movie and I looked at them quizzically, if their response to me was, don't think too hard about it, I'd be like, you know what? Awesome. Then it, then it is a perfect favorite movie. Yeah, fair and just objectively, I found parts of it boring. If you're going for pure entertainment, it wasn't purely entertained. Right. I get you. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm not no, shitting on the movie. Not right. saying yeah. I'm just, I think if you watch the movie kind of for what it obviously is, in my opinion. Which is like, and I think that's kind of what Ebert was touching on in the review I read um, from him, was that like, it's a criminals movie. Yeah. It's about criminals, and the criminals aren't, criminals are bad people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it for that. Right. Don't try to make, like, the world like it by telling them, like, oh, it's not really about that. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Um... What's next? Uh, is it important to film history? I think we've kind of already answered that. Yeah, I think it's undoubtedly important. Wildly influential. I guess. I feel like it's invisible now. 
I think, in I terms think, of uh, influence. I, I think that you were too absorbed in academic thought about influence of, of film and cinema to not realize the other half, which is like casual movie viewers. Like this is a very important movie for them and the movies that get made for them. Fair. I also think that you have like, there's a, anytime you hear an quote anti-hero, uh, yell something cool right before he unloads some bullets into somebody. I think they're trying to recreate Say Hello to My Little Friend. So yeah. I think there's a lot, there's a little bit of this in the DNA of a lot of those types of movies now. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think like this movie is not directly influencing films that are being made today, but neither is like Casablanca. Right. So I, I think it's, I, yeah, I it's think, undoubtedly important um, how indirect that how indirectly true that sentence is, sorry, is uh, up for debate. But right, yeah, I, I think that this probably influenced Michael Bay, sure. and you know those style of movies where it's kind of like the director with his middle finger in the air, going like, write all the criticism about my movie that you want, but I know I'm going to make a bunch of money, and I know that people are going to have a good time watching it. Yeah, uh, this was uh, when BFI did their sound the sight and sound poll. This uh, finished 894th in the greatest films of all time poll for critics, 322nd among directors. Um, two directors voted for it. One was uh, Matthew Vaughn, who did X-Men First Class. Makes sense. Um, Just a story about him, yeah. He listed as one of the ten movies that most shaped him as a director. So, Apparently the, tr- them trying to push those movies, Days of Future Past and First Class, right up next to each other is why he left. Uh, yeah. They wanted to start filming immediately after First Class, and he was like, fuck this. Also, director uh, Nikki Caro, who did the Whale Rider, <laughs> what? And North Country picked uh, picked this as one of all right greatest movies of all time. Maybe if you see this when you're young and you're going to be a director, it's like yeah, you're seeing it in a different light or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. the VH1 poll, not poll. Yeah, the VH1 countdown had it the fourth best movie of all time. Whoa. <laughs> And IMDb Top 250, it's like right at 100. Yeah. <laughs> this movie seems yeah, perfectly geared towards the... <laughs> what? What did There's you even ask? <laughs> it was an ad on my phone. From my nervous tick, I'm just like, I unlocked it on accident. <laughs> um, <sighs> I do like a recurring feature of TJ Fights Technology, though. <laughs> Uh, I think we can uh, get to it. Should this movie be in the talk of fame? Um, Why don't you go first, Brent? You never get to go first. I'll go first. Uh, My vote is no. Uh, Went from hating this movie to appreciating it for what it is, but it's not really my my cup of tea still. uh, I did like the... Weirdly, I, I I I still really enjoyed the the real violent moments, but yeah. I just felt like there were uh, there's a lot of wasted time in this movie and a lack of characters that I care about. So um, not quite there for me. Although I love the feel of the movie and I love the spectacle of the movie when it indulges itself in that spectacle, which was not often enough. So it's a no, David. Um, movie does do a good job with that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's it's indelible from the second I think you're put in that movie, that you're in that you're in that mood all the way through. But uh, I think Chris nailed it on the head that if you want this movie in the Hall of Fame and you love this movie, it's got to be just a 
don't think about it in t- entertaining thrill ride, and I just wasn't on that ride. Yeah. Um, I do appreciate it more than I used to, but it's a it's a no for me. Yeah, I agree with with Chris and with David's agreeance with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way to get there. Um, the movie is what it is, and I don't think it's anything more than that. I think it does a pretty good job of um, doing that, though, of taking you on a, a ride and having a movie that is about, like I said, about a character who doesn't really didn't really have a lot of films about them leading yeah. up to that point. Um, but a quick question: I think we kind of said where we thought it was rating wise before. Where did y'all land? Because I probably went a full star up from what I would have had it at. Probably at about three and a half now for me. Yeah, it's about three, three and a half for me. Same. Yeah, I think I jumped from two to three. Yeah. Um, Not a four. So, definitely cool that we all liked it better. That, that makes it feel like it was worth the watch, but yeah, it's an easy no for me. Yeah, I went from a movie I'd probably never see again in my life, which is where I was at. Like in To a movie now, if somebody was like, should I actually see Scarface? I'd be like, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my, I'm, I'm, my no vote today uh, means my answer to that question would be, eh, not really, unless you're just into that kind of stuff. Interesting. That's what your notebook means. Yeah, I don't think it's a must-see movie. Uh, I'm unsurprisingly no. Also, I've kind of been talking about all the things around why I think this movie is problematic, and that kind of hurts my uh, my wanting it to represent anything that I do when I'm picking kind of the Rushmore of movies. Yeah. Or us, the anything that we do. Um, you know, I don't think that there's any like vitriol in. Like some of the depictions of like women and immigrants, but it's still just like like way too fucking dated. Um, yeah, for me to really swallow. Along with still thinking it's boring and has like a weird incest plotline. So I'm a no. Well, there you have it. O for four for Scarface. The nose carrying. Um, TJ's got homework for us uh, for next time up. What's it gonna be? It's going to be a uh, 1987 movie directed by a fellow named Fred Decker. It's another cult classic. We're going to take it light now. We didn't really... I know we did Scott Pilgrim, but that was kind of... I don't think any of us watched it for that podcast. We had all seen it recently or seen it a bunch. Um, So I'm going to take it easy and go with a horror comedy that I've never seen. uh, The Monster Squad. Hmm. Have you seen it, Brent? Yes. (laughs) Nice. I've seen it... uh... Within the past year, I talked about it on the podcast. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So I thought one of y'all had. I couldn't remember which one of y'all. Um, but I didn't hear about the movie. I, I heard about the movie for the first time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that came up on Prime. So I want to see it. It'll be time. Yeah. It's also like an hour and 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. You could fit two, two of those into Scarface. <laughs> yeah. Two Scarfaces into that Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Talking Talk. This is Talkie Talk. You are Talkie Talking. We are Talkie Talking. Check out the Facebook groups. Please subscribe. Please tweet tweet with us and email with us if that's your kind of bag, baby. Uh, You uh, can give us a rating if you'd like. We would like. And uh, finally, thank you to the Willow Walkers. Thanks. And thank you to Burifa. Burifa. And thank you. You. Thanks, man. (laughs) Kicking rocks. Down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes Long time ago 
Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know 